That's right, welcome back to Range Anxiety and here's a professional introduction because today your 30 minutes or so of automotive tuning experience spanning 30 years is coming to you solo. There's no, hey world, hey babe, sitting next to me to stuff the intro up. So there you go. And thank you very much to men at work for Land Down Under, or was it called Down Under? All I remember about that track is when I was a tiny little kid and that came out, I was barely into my teens, was when we won the uh, Australia 2 with the winged kill, won the America's Cup. And I remember Bob Hawke sitting there going, any Aussie boss that sacks his staff and not turning up today because they're hungover is a bum. Good on you, Hawkey, and uh, rest in peace, you old soul. Here you go. See, no political persuasion and range anxiety. But why are we talking about Land Down Under? And why is this Epicast uh, labelled adverse? Well, I think that's what I'm about to label it. So I haven't actually written that part of it yet. But uh, if you've been living in this current time, and we have caught up now, so we are up to date. I'm only doing this 24 hours before publication, not a week before like we used to because Paul's been away and been very, very slack, babe. Um, there's been some pretty shitful things going on, not only in Australia, but uh, also in the rest of the world. And things that you've kind of got to keep in mind when you're driving a car, any sort of motor car. And I'm going to give you some hot tips. Remember men at work, we're talking about a fried out combi. Yeah, well, that can happen. Um, more often than not, when they get leaves caught around the barrels, they generally like catching fire more than a Tesla on Fox News, which is basically all the time, but actually in reality, never. So there's been some bad shit going on. We're all aware of the war in Ukraine, which is a sad thing. And, and more on that later and what my thoughts on that, even though we're not political, any war where people are getting hurt is not good. I don't care what it's about. And yep, yet again, it's more than likely about old men with big egos and small dicks chasing lots of oil. But, you know, I'll, I'll get my thoughts on that later. But how do cars operate in these environments? Because in Australia at the moment, we've been undergoing some terrible climactic stuff with the, the flooding up north, you know, throughout Queensland and now under... Um, New South Wales, massive floods, like 17 metre high floods. I mean, that's big. Like the McDonald's store has just the golden arches, the McDowell's arches hanging out the top. It is it is incredibly high, uh, the water level, and it just destroys everything. But before we do that, let's turn the clock back a little bit and talk about cars. Cars in adverse conditions are never really much chop. When you need them, they'll always let you down because they're designed by a bunch of dickheads trying to cut costs in an office somewhere, not realising what you're going to do with them. Now, I know that's already upset some mud mongrels with their shit shovel on the roof thinking that their tie-built ute is designed to conquer the world, if not even Mars, but it's not. It's actually just a cynically built, cheap piece of shit 
from a very cheaply paid workforce on an Asian production line that, you know, do a good job. I, I'm not, you know, throwing stones at them, but they're not good. In fact, there are very, very few cars that are good when the going gets tough. Uh, most of them stop going. Let me wind the clock back a little bit. Everyone remembers Strecco. He's been on a couple of sober podcasts and one quite drunk one, and he actually did pretty well for Strecco, everyone's favourite Swedish MILF, Lithuanian Porsche wrecker, or whatever he is, he um, went through a pretty harrowing experience when he was of school age in an adverse condition. Let's talk about it. 1983, I think, would have been the year, so it's a long, long time ago, and for those of you that are listening in America, it was in a land far, far away, down under. We had this incident here called um, a major catastrophe, actually, known as the uh, Ash Wednesday bushfires. That Ash Wednesday tag's been used a lot around Australia, but I believe we had the original here in South Australia. It was catastrophic. It was hot. It was a perfect, the perfect storm. High winds, hot weather, and Strecco was living in the Adelaide Hills, I believe, at the time. And uh, he was in a big old diesel school bus going up through the hills right when these firestorms that were travelling at 60 to 80 kilometres an hour, upwards of 40 miles per hour, for those of you that work on freedom units, came through. And there were cars in front of them and cars behind them. And um, the bus driver, according to Strecco, made them all get down on the ground in, in the bus and the fire went through and uh, they had to push other cars out the way and, all, and people died around him not in the bus thank god because the the bus driver was able to push the other cars out the way where people did die and was able to take them out of the fire path and into safety now why did that happen well the very worst thing you can ever do in an environmental catastrophe whether it be a flood uh, a fire or even a massive heat wave or a cold snap is drive a petrol powered car because they need all these things to run that other cars don't. They need plenty of oxygen. And what's the first thing that fire takes out of the air is oxygen. People tend to suffocate as they're burning or before they burn, or apparently that's, I'm no fire expert. This is what I've been told. And you know, we live in an area here where fires are a constant, wildfires are a constant threat. It's a bit like California, but worse in some ways. Everything's worse in Australia. The snakes are bigger. We have bit, well, they don't even have snakes over there. You know, so, you know, Strecco was, uh, his bus didn't stop because it wasn't powered by petrol. You see, what happens when shit gets really hot in a petrol powered car is it'll vaporize the fuel. And once it vaporizes the fuel and vapor locks the fuel system, the engine will stop. And it doesn't matter how much you crank it, once it's boiled the fuel and it turns to vapour, there's all sorts of tricks used in modern EFI systems to try and avoid this. But the bottom line is, there's no oxygen, the fuel's vaporised, you ain't starting, and whatever's coming your way will keep coming your way, and often with catastrophic results. Diesels, not so bad. 
diesels don't need as much oxygen and they don't, well, they need a bit, but they don't vaporize the fuel as easily. It's not as a volatile. Um, and so they will keep going. And this, in the essence, is what saved Streco's life in this instance. And, uh, you know, we're all thankful that it did. I especially believe he would be the most thankful at this time. And diesels have the ability to withstand high heat, which is why it's not so much a fuel consumption thing, but it's it's the blast in a military situation where there's low oxygen and low everything else and a lot of heat in a desert environment where a diesel will keep running, where a petrol powered engine will just stop and you are at the mercy of whether it's, you know, a thousand insurgents with rocket launchers on their shoulders or a big ball of fire. I don't know which one's worse. I'd probably say the ball of fire is probably more accurate in killing you. So petrol powered cars aren't great in that kind of instance. And let's have a look at uh, when there's water involved, which is, you know, Australia right now, we're underwater. We're either burning or we're flooding or there's something crazy going on here. Or, you know, <clears throat> gigantic sea monsters coming up out of the sea. That's what Australia's about. Water, all internal combustion engines are no good. Particularly petrol ones, because they're not designed to wade. And wading is, you know, pushing the bow wave of water in front of you as you're driving along and stopping it from getting in the inlet of the engine. Because once you get water in the inlet of any internal combustion engine, it doesn't matter whether it's petrol, whether it's diesel, or even if it runs on vodka, it's gonna explode. Because while fuel and air can be compressed, water does not, H2O, is not uh, what you'd call compressible in any way. So that rods bend, pistons come out the side, uh, engines stop, go kabang where they are, bits blow out everywhere, even at, even at idle speeds, and that's that. You are now getting washed down the river towards that uh, McDonald's sign that's nearly underwater while you're sinking and scrambling to get out of the car. Yeah, no good. No good at all. Now, I could see, I know there'll be people like Gareth are going to listen to this, and you know, he's he's not a proper mud mongrel, and his four-wheel drive isn't a road router. But he'll say, you know, we can wade big depths, but you can't. Because unbeknownst, well, he knows because he works on cars all day, but unbeknownst to most that have their Ford Ranger or their Toyota Hilux or whatever else, they only have a certain depth they can go to before differentials, gearboxes, engines start ingesting water. Now, there are, and once they ingest water, they're screwed. The auto trains will die instantly, well, pretty much instantly. The diff will die shortly thereafter, and the engine will die before you could even blink an eyelid. So what the proper mud mongrel does, right, after fitting the shit shovel, the annex, the awning, the sleeper, and putting six tonne on the back of it and whinging about the fuel economy, as they like to do, they will fit a snorkel. Now, a snorkel's a pretty cool thing if you want your car to look like it's just come out of the toilet section at Bunnings. You know, it kind of matches the shovel. Maybe you can shovel the shit down the snorkel. I'm not sure of that yet. So they fit the snorkel so that the airbox isn't underwater, and then they fit the um, diff breathers, like little bits of 
uh, rubber hose, different gearbox breathers that just go up vertically, maybe another meter, so that the breathers can't ingest water because, you know, that's bad, as, as I've just said. And they think they can do anything. But if you watch, you know, a little bit of YouTube, some of the police put up some videos and stuff of idiots up at, uh, you know, um, Fraser Island and whatever, where they just go out in Queensland and just for no apparent reason other than they're fat idiots is chop the shit out of the environment in these stupid heaps of shit, is that they get a bit ballsy, you know, a few, few tins of great northern inn, and they're going to charge full steam ahead across some water crossing. And, yeah, a lot of them don't make it and just get swept away. And thankfully, the police are now charging them with dangerous driving and endangering life and all of that crap that goes on. But they're not invincible. In fact, unless it's a military vehicle specifically designed for submersion, they're actually all pretty shit. And they all end up dying. I mean, you think about it. You take an OEM manufactured car, like your Hilux or Ranger, you get some slob with a hole saw, cutting a hole in your guard, jamming a bit of pipe in there, getting some old bathroom silicon sealant around the inside of it, smashing it up over the roof, a couple of cable ties around the diff breathers. I mean, you know, how um, durability tested do you think this stuff's going to be? Most of the time... It is just absolute disaster waiting to happen. Just badly engineered, badly thought out. And everyone looks at each other with raised eyebrows and goes, oh, shit, I wasn't expecting that. When the thing explodes and craps itself everywhere and strands you. Sure, a diesel won't die in a fire as easily, but I'm sure a lot of these aftermarket mods, though, would make them more prone to burn and uh, catch a light and strand you and kill you. You know, huge lumps of PVC and... A vinyl hanging off the side of your car that you might one day shelter under while you're taking a crap with your shovel in your hand. Quite possible. So of course you know where I'm coming to here, don't you? And that is the fact that in any of these environmental catastrophes, there is no better way out of them than in a battery-powered car. Well, I don't know a lot about every battery-powered car. I know a lot about some of the stuff that I work on and I see. And I'll take, you know, a Model 3 Tesla, for example. There are various videos of some of the Shanghai-built cars like wading water up to the headlights. You know, the only, the only thing that stops them is when enough water gets through the door sills, as it will on any cars, that it weighs the car down a bit, but they keep going. Why is that? Because the power units are essentially sealed. I'm not actually aware, I'm going to be totally honest with you, of the breather arrangement. I've never got that high on them. But the power unit side of it, the, the actual electric side of it, is pretty well sealed, sealed, as far as I know. The, there may be a breather on the differential and lubrication side of it, but you've got time. You know, you've got time to take that thing out and drive it 100 k's and drain it. You know, it's not going to strand you where you are. The batteries are sealed, totally sealed. And what's to stop you and this is what your average mud mongrel will say yeah after being you're telling you how ned kelly's his second grand grand uncle yeah but you're gonna get electrocuted in that fucking shit box mate you don't touch nothing with voltage in it well 
you don't actually. So everything's quite well isolated and they run a thing called a HVIL, high voltage interlock system. So the worst thing that could happen to you in any adverse reaction in an EV in water is uh, you could lose power and it will slowly reduce power before it shuts it down because it knows you're trying to get out of somewhere or trying to go somewhere. And once you lose power and the battery's gone, how do you open the doors? Oh yeah, with the mechanical release. Oh yeah, you know, the one that says, don't use me unless in case of emergency, because it may damage your window trim because it doesn't drop um, the windows below the rubbers. In fact, to bring matters to a head, I believe, was it the James Bond movie, The Spy That Loved Me with the Lotus, uh, it wasn't Lotus Elise, it was a Lotus Esprit in it that was uh, a white one that was used underwater. I believe Musk bought that many, many years ago. Would have been after the PayPal sale around there, out of someone's barn for millions and millions of dollars. And he was very fascinated in making his cars semi-submarines. Yeah, there was all this talk of the Cybertruck being able to go underwater and whatever. Oh, what a crock of shit. That was never, that's never gonna happen. But as he tweeted on, oh, tweeted on Twitter, you know, that's a bit of a, bit of a mess, that statement. But as he tweeted a couple of years back, an EV makes a good um, flotation semi-submarine where the rims can be used as thrusters and they can drive along, floating along on water quite fine, but they're quite well sealed and they will actually go through water far longer and further than anything else. So what about heat? Well, heat doesn't bother the things. The, the coolant systems on them are so big. They run at about, you know, if, if it's the ambient is, you know, 40C, 115F or whatever that happens to be, that's what the coolant temperature normally sits at. You know, it, it doesn't get any hotter than ambient ever. And in fact, a lot of times, because it uses a AC compressor to cool the coolant through the plate style heat exchangers, it actually stays cooler than ambient. So you get caught in the middle of a wildfire, the thing just isn't gonna shut down. And in fact, there is so much fire protection and insulation in a Tesla, maybe not a Chevy Bolt. You know, we don't wanna go into the Chevy Bolt too much because Mary, you've done it again babe and that wasn't sexist that was just how paul refers to mary barra because he's a hopeless gm flunky but they'll keep going through any fire pretty much because they're not scared of fire i mean they've had a few obviously about one millionth of internal combustion car fires but there's no um highly volatile flammable fuel there's no there's just generally no parts and no complexity isn't, it, isn't that just a wonderful thing? So that all brings me to what's going on in the Ukraine right now. And again, I don't have a political slant on it. I'm not gonna call anybody names about this, but Tesla have offered any of their vehicles in that area are now able to access to escape the area, to get away from the area, or maybe even fight in the area, who knows? There could be a Model 3 with like <clears throat> Stinger missiles on the roof for all I know free supercharging, free electricity uh, through Poland, um, through the Ukraine, through Hungary, just to escape and get the hell out of there. Free, free energy. Forget about even the Starlink rollout because that's more military based or more civilian, you know, humanity based. We're not talking about humanity here. We're talking about the cars. There is no better car that you would want to be in a crisis in 
than a Tesla. And this isn't simple fanboyism. There's the bioweapons hazard filter system, or the HEPA filter, as it's, it's known in a normal car, not that many of them have them. <clears throat> There's the indestructibility in water, fire, whatever you want. And there's the support of the manufacturer to help get you the fuck out of whatever shitful situation you might be in. So, you know, there it is, pretty much, for today's Epicast. Um, I had to talk about all this adverse stuff that's going on. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to talk politics. And I certainly don't like to talk about war. I'd rather live in a place where <clears throat> there was never any war because it's shitful and essentially no one wins. Like, how's your um, stash of rubles going? Yeah, uh, one buck became one cent overnight. So let's talk about some other things because I know you all get a jolly, even though some of you don't send me the feedback you should. You'll get a jolly out of uh, hearing some of the things that I hear during a week. Now, today I got one with a guy with a BA XR6 Turbo. Now, I normally don't like tuning them because they're old and they're generally rooted. But this one seemed all right. But one of his requirements, apart from a little bit more boost and a little bit more power, is he wanted an e-limiter. Now, we've heard about limiter tunes before and I couldn't understand it. What's a limiter tune on a diesel? I think it's a one-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, like a mang-mang. You know, like a VNV6. Now, I said to this guy, what's an e-limiter? Do you mean disabling the electronic throttle control instituted soft rev limiter and using a fuel and spark hard cut. And he said, I'm not sure. I need you to go and have a look at e-limiters on YouTube. So you know exactly what I didn't do is that. Because there's only two ways of limiting them. There's uh, uh, the actual one that's good for the engine which is shutting the throttle. And there's a one that is absolutely shit for the engine, which is bouncing the hell out of the fuel and the spark with a cut and a resume. People go, oh, yeah, how do you know it's bad for the engine? Well, we've had cylinder pressure monitors right back in the day. In fact, it was Simon Gishus from NISPRO in Melbourne, right back in the day, in the early days of the Barra. But, you know, this applies to any engine. It's not a Barra thing. You know, we're using cylinder pressure monitoring and some of the spikes you can actually get from a rev limiter, blast as much force on the rod and a rod end bearing as a good solid hit of detonation. So yeah, next time you want a limited tune to make yourself sound like a fully tough popcorner, maybe imagine that you are having an adverse effect on what's left of your engine, particularly when it's a 20-year-old clunker with rods made of steel uncooked sticks of spaghetti or maybe they're cooked maybe they're just al dente i'm not sure but it's something to think about is that some of the things we want in a car are actually quite bad for it you know so it's like saying i want to date this chick but she's hot she's a supermodel but i want to drink a bottle of scotch a day and smoke a carton of fags a week is that what you really want in the end, or is that what you might think is cool and you should be led by people that actually know more than you? But here's the question, and I'll pose it for you before we leave for today, for today, because we come to the end of the Epicast. Who knows more than the average YouTuber?
Bottom line is, it's not me. So thanks once again for listening to Range Anxiety.